I'm fine, thank you. Although evening is an arbitrary thing, being as it's not evening when we record this, and it may or may not be evening when people are listening. This is very true. How are you? Well, okay, given the complete humiliating capitulation to Liverpool. It was a little on the poor side, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, it was, I would hasten to add, it was probably United's worst performance of the season. Although, having said that, we we have put in probably uh, half a dozen, maybe even more similar performances away from home that were were timid in an attacking sense, uh, no impetus from midfield. And it's just, I guess, the one change is that United were incredibly poor defensively as well. Yeah, and and of course it was against Liverpool, so everything is intensified in that game, isn't it? It was an ugly occasion in more ways than one. Yeah, it it was obviously, yes, some some pretty uh, X-rated tackles going in, not least from Jamie Carragher and then followed up by Raphael and different outcomes, of course. And the game was pretty messy all in all. There's the potential for it kicking off. I I mean, I have to say Liverpool's intensity uh, was not the intensity that they demonstrated against Chelsea last season at a similar stage of the season. But, you know, there you go. If if the players can only play for certain matches, that's why they are, are not challenging for a top four spot at the moment. Do you think there will be next season? No, I think it depends on investment. I, I, I don't see them as a better side than, say, uh, the current sort of challenges for fourth and fifth place. So uh, if, if United and Arsenal are, and Chelsea are you know, relatively even at the moment, fourth and fifth is challenged by City and Spurs at the moment. I'm sure City will spend more. Mancini's been calling this week for more spending, which is somewhat ironic, given how much spending they've done. Uh, Spurs uh, will obviously have a season's worth of Champions League money to go you know, lavish, depending on exactly where they finish this season of course and and uh, so Liverpool have a little bit of catch up to do yeah I, I think that's right although I have to say I thought this when he signed I, I really think Suarez is the Ruud van Nisseroy type of scoring lots of goals in the Dutch league rather than the Alfonso Alves type of scoring lots of goals in the Dutch league he, he definitely seems a talent and he had a very good game against us his run for the first goal was really genuinely a fantastic bit of football yes it was although uh, if I was a defender I wouldn't be very happy with him the challenges I made so I knew without a shadow of a doubt that the next words out of your mouth would be yes although <laughs> you know credit to a Liverpool player it's not possible is it no no that wasn't my point at all actually no, no. no not not at all it's he went through two challenges and yeah. uh, which which if you're a defender you you put them in right yeah. and he shouldn't have gone around four players and and uh, I think the fact that the ball went through two players legs and it wasn't a nutmeg uh, says something about the defending there so it's, it's not a, a case of lack of credit where it's due is it? it's the case of United defended extremely poorly yeah they did I, I I don't think there were huge numbers of massive individual mistakes from Smalling and Brown but there was definitely much less certainty at the back as as is completely obviously going to be the case without Rio or Vidic and and in fact Edwin van der Zaal made a made a pretty horrendous error of course from the free kick yeah and Nani gifted them their second goal in really really profoundly unfortunate fashion well I don't know it was unfortunate Unfortunate for United, but um, from his point of view, just a horrendous error. What on earth was he doing? Head it out or away or anything, just not across your own box. His behaviour after that that, uh, horror challenge has been analysed a lot, and I think most analysis pretty wide of the mark, as is so often the case in these situations. A lot of, you know, a lot of uh, mockery for the fact that he kind of burst into tears, but I I think his behaviour really does reflect the behaviour of a person in shock, because after the challenge, he runs. He gets up and runs towards the action. Gerard kind of tries to slightly push.
push him away, at which point Nanny falls over and Gerard kind of looks disgusted in a, in a way which is somewhat understandable because you think in that moment that Nanny's doing the Rivaldo thing of like ha- feeling a touch and grabbing. Well, of course, Rivaldo's touch wasn't anywhere near his face, but, you know, feeling a touch to a face and then going, ah, I've been shot, I've been shot. But, but he wasn't doing that. I think Nanny just suddenly realised, wait a minute, I really can't stand on this leg. So I, I think he just freaked out. I think he was just genuinely in shock from the kind of impact and the and the, the viscerality it's you know footballers are human beings and when you get a kind of massive impact which which cuts open your shin you're going to flip out a bit right yeah and in fact it cut him down to the bone and uh, uh, literally uh, he's required a lot of stitches and be out for quite some time and, and depending on it, how it heals it'll be between two and six weeks I would think and that, that takes a long time to get better that kind of injury watch it again and the commentator suggests that he's dived over and uh, acts in some kind of pretty disgusted way as well I, I think some impartiality went out of the window but but yeah of course it was all the, the, the bizarre circumstances of the injury and you know it's one of those cry wolf situations isn't it it's, it's like you, you wouldn't be shocked that Nanny had kind of made a meal of something if it turned out that he had would you you know because right. he, he's done that on plenty of occasions as a Stephen Gerrard in his time of course uh, the, the, the Raphael tackle when that happened I just thought oh my good lord I I, I think similar to the, the penalty against Chelsea if it was a United player that that tackle had been perpetrated on not that he actually made contact with the player but I think that has to be somewhat irrelevant under those circumstances to me that, that seemed like a pretty clear red card I, I don't know I, I think if you go in with two feet which is what he did then then you are risking that of course the studs weren't showing so it was top of right. the foot first and he didn't actually make any contact with the player and there is some irrelevance in that you're correct in, in that uh, there's intent and if it's dangerous then the red card can come out so I think the referee could have sent him off I do think it is diff- different and there are grades of difference between what Carragher did in which yeah, the studs were full face open and the tackle miles away from the ball yeah really just an absolute horror challenge from Jamie Carragher um, just yeah just kind of indefensible type of, I, and, and it was not long after that that I turned the game off because we were getting absolutely battered and I was not enjoying the atmosphere around the game one little bit it, it it was just an just an ugly occasion once again Liverpool versus Manchester United brings out the worst in both sets of supporters and the a lot of the players and unfortunately brought out the technical worst in in United's team the team selection of a two in midfield with skulls and carrot which had been very effective in the first half when we were on top against Chelsea and then completely kind of somewhat crumbled under the pressure as we just dis- discussed last week I don't mean the like uh, pressure the situation I mean the literal kind of pressing of the ball and the tempo and I think with Liverpool were kind of set up to to press and they've they've got players that can do that and put you under kind of in, in midfielders they've got a lot of players in there and, and it, it seemed like an extremely peculiar team selection to me yeah I, I thought it was completely wrong and it, it was just bizarre actually because we've criticised Ferguson for sticking rigidly to 4-5-1 in uh, away games where it seemed unnecessary I mean there have been occasions where he's playing one up front against relegation candidates and it seemed pretty negative but but if United uh, are going to play two in the centre of midfield like that 
about. I think Carrick and Scholes are the worst two to pick. So n- neither of them get about the the pitch as they used to, and I, I think it just really told. And it was a, in, in the end a, a, a horrendous error, I thought. So why does uh, one of the greatest managers in the history of the game make an error like that? I, well, I guess all all of them do. He just read the the game situation wrong. I don't think he expected Liverpool to press in quite the way that they did. And right. and the Kenny Dalglish, they've played a few different systems, haven't they? They've tried three up front. They actually tried five at the back as well. So uh, maybe Ferguson just didn't guess exactly how Liverpool would shape up. It's, it's that thing about the, the thing about Ferguson, his greatest strength, and also, of course, the, the thing that leaves him vulnerable is, we've talked about it many times, is that basically he is a... Re- what You know, you were saying some time ago that the in that Paddy Barkley book that the, the essential, the kind of essence of his argument was that Ferguson is 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 not the genius type of manager that that Clough and and maybe like someone like Mourinho might be he doesn't have that touch of something extra special. He's he's, a, he's his skills lie in different areas. And to me, one of the things that he is is he's an incredibly successful gambler for Alex Ferguson. Yeah. He, he, he over the years he's taken many many gambles and more have paid off than haven't paid off. And that basically is all a, a good gambler can ever hope for. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think actually he's become more risk averse over the years, but he is still prepared at times to say throw four forwards on in order to try and win a game. Yeah, and it was kind of a pretty gambly select team selection, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's that old cliche now of of uh, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result, and and uh, you know, that being the definition of madness. But it, I, I I don't know whether that was a gamble. I, I just don't think Skulls and Carrick has ever worked as a two at least not in the last two seasons anyway and since Skull's legs have uh, increasingly seemed to go but I mean that's that's my feeling on the situation as well but I don't feel qualified at all to I, I feel like Ferguson must know something I don't he must do because there's no way I could do, you know I wouldn't be the, one of the most successful football managers in history if I'd taken over Manchester United so so why is he persisting with something that's not working is it that he's stubborn I mean we're gonna we're obviously gonna come on to some of his personal characteristics and behaviours uh, when we talk about his media blackout um, but but is it stubbornness is it is it a, a character flaw or does he see some potential in the Skulls character too that we don't not actually sure uh, I don't think there's a stubbornness there he he obviously sent out a team that he thought that could win yeah uh, and, uh, and, and he takes into account everything else that's going on I mean the fact that United got a week long break and in, and Scholes is almost certainly not going to play against Arsenal so that gives him 10 days if he hadn't played against Liverpool that would have been one three weeks out before the Marseille game so he's probably calculating three or four games at a time and working out how he'll rotate his squad and obviously yeah. there's quite a lot of injury and Gibson's hardly shown any great form either I think I think the problem was obviously Giggs is rusty from several weeks out Scholes no longer has a leg uh, to play in a two Carrick just has lost all his oomph and that left United not only vulnerable in centre and midfield but at times outmanned and it was a real problem yeah and we looked in no danger of winning that game at any point really did we it, it, what happens when uh, two trains whose wheels have come off the tracks fly towards each other at high velocity and we get to play Arsenal at the weekend another team whose previously uh, promising season is teetering on the brink 
brink of uh, absolute collapse, which which you could, I mean uh, that's a massive hyperbole because we we're still in the Champions League and we didn't lose a cup final, uh, but but the, our season's definitely having a wobble and so's theirs. So who's going to wobble hardest on Saturday? Do you think? Yeah, it's it's a hard one to call this because we don't know exactly what the team lineups will look like. I mean, if you look at the history of of uh, in fact both managers in the FA Cup recently, both have played shadow sides or rotated heavily. Yeah. So and I, before before the past week's results, I'd have said that both sides are likely to do that. So, but there's something else that comes into play here for for United. It's crucial that the team doesn't lose now. I think that could be a real problem if United lose. There'd be a three on the bounce. There'd be talk of crisis at Old Trafford. Uh, in many ways, it would be a crisis because it'd be a crisis of confidence. You lose three games on the road to direct title rivals, mm. or you know maybe Liverpool aren't, but <laughs> rivals, <laughs> and that's um, yeah. that's an issue, isn't it? So, but the ditto Arsenal. Obviously, the the pretty cataclysmic loss to Bowen City and dumped out of the European Cup in such spectacular fashion by Barcelona. Another loss could end their season in many ways. We know how fragile that team is. Yeah, I mean, massive let off uh, for United. The Arsenal game against Sunderland, where they had a good goal disallowed for offside when it wasn't, and they had a definite pen not given. Uh, and Steve Bruce did us a big old favour by holding the Arsenal to a point because if they'd won that game, the league table would be looking ugly. Well, it would be. It would be a point difference with Arsenal a game in hand and United have to go to Emirates. So it's, it's not looking great anyway, given if you look at Arsenal's running, there are some uh, pretty winnable games there and, and United, uh, given our away form, have to go to West Ham and Blackburn or see the Emirates and it doesn't look wonderful. Thinking about that Blackburn last se- Blackburn game last season where United was just so insipid and, and uh, hoping that that doesn't happen again because it could uh, the, the wheels really could come off United season so um, I, I do think this game on Saturday takes increased importance because of all those factors and, and I'd like to see Ferguson play a very strong side but of course there's Marseille on the Tuesday afterwards and he, he has to he has to rotate resources accordingly especially given the number of inju- injuries at the moment Antonio Valencia is just coming back he may or may not play some part against Arsenal he didn't play in the reserve game yesterday uh, Park Ji-sung is still out Nani of course is out for at least two weeks could be more depending on how that injury heals Giggs is only just back could could mean that people like Bebe, Gibson and Obertan all play against Arsenal. Bit depressed now, Ed. <laughs> You've just taken the wind right out of my sails there. But it was magic words, Bebe, Obertan and Gibson. Mm, yeah. No, there was um there's a funny piece on the Blackpool website. Obviously United uh, went to Blackpool Reserves. It's quite a strong Blackpool Reserve side and, and uh, United lost two one on uh, Wednesday night and uh, Bebe played in a piece on the Blackpool website making fun of Bebe and how awful he was. Now I have to admit I didn't see the game myself. I know a lot of people did and that's uh, it's somewhat concerning if Bebe is struggling at reserve level. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I know it's not going out on a massive limb, but I'm calling it I don't see it, Ed. I don't see him because Becoming a world beater. Actually, I think there's an even bigger issue here because uh, Ferguson said in the in the past week that uh, he was praising the the scouts' work on Javier Hernandez again, saying that the scouts had been in Mexico for a month and they'd done due diligence on the player. They'd seen him like, 15 times or something. They'd sent Martin Ferguson out there, Jim Lawler out there. So this is the depth of research that United normally does on a player when they're investing a significant amount of money. Now with Bebe, they just didn't do that, and I know, I know we mocked Ferguson for it previously and. Uh, 
questioned the sanity of this and there's been a lot of press coverage about that but right now it's looking like as good as Hernandez was in terms of a bargain that Bebe was a complete waste of money and I do think you have to ask questions when that happens that's eight million pounds down the toilet 8.3 actually if you look in United's counts and you have to ask exactly what was that money spent on and why because it's been a spectacular failure uh, so far it has indeed been a spectacular failure and it's not too late for it to to turn round but there's a, obviously an enormous difference between 15 for a month in Mexico and seeing a player 15 times and Carlos Quero saying he seems pretty good which as far as we can work out is what's happened with Pepe yeah and it, well even more than that he seems pretty good six weeks ago you could have had him for nothing and yeah. uh, here's a player that they picked up for nothing and were trying to hawk round or in his previous club had been trying to hawk round for 200,000 euros and then of course he was out of contract because they couldn't pay him so it, it uh, all along it seemed like one of the most bizarre transfers of the Ferguson era uh, right now it seems more than bizarre it seems downright dodgy yeah I, I, I yeah I can't can't help but agreeing although you know I'm, I'm a massive romantic so I would absolutely love it if this player from the streets turned into a world beater but it doesn't look like it's happening at the moment no well we'll see but uh, but that's that's the problem in football I think uh, I think that kind of we'll we'll see attitude uh, sometimes uh, when it comes to some of Ferguson's more rash decisions prevalates through uh, United sport and I, of course that's because he has a massive bank of credit but I have to say from what I've seen of Bebe I just don't think he's going to make it I'd say well I'd also no. say that of Obertan and in fact I'd say that of Darren Gibson as well I know he said this week that he has no intention of leaving United I just don't think he'll ever be good enough who Who? sorry the, the G-bomb thank you I didn't know who you were talking about previously <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's a very it's a schoolboy error on the rank cast there um, the, the G-bomb if, if he'd scored the winner against Liverpool me and at Trisha RKG and at ex uh, by the way congratulations on the birth of your new born son and I hope you do get away with calling him Nemanja ex-Berchi we, we agreed that we would make our avatar the G-bomb for a month if he scored the winner against Liverpool and uh, I'm going to say that I'll extend that to him scoring the winner in the Champions League final if he does that I'll make the G-bomb my avatar on Twitter for a year well, that's, a, that's a big promise it's a very big promise <laughs> it is no I'm, 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 I've said it I'm, I'm committed to it but I would preface that by saying that if the G-bomb scores the winner in the Champions League final which seems slightly unlikely at this stage it does seem of course, United have to get past Marseille first, and that's the the game next Tuesday at Old Trafford, coming pretty quickly after the, the FA Cup tie. And and you, you'd say right now that for, that would be Ferguson's immediate priority, and and he'll be getting his players ready for Marseille first and Arsenal's second. And and it's a, it's a game on the knife edge still, isn't it? And I think as we've seen with some ties this week, given given the nature of the nil nil, one goal for Marseille, and we've been pretty deep trouble, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be, it's going to, it's, I mean, it's, it's just massive, you know, nervous, edgy time all around, isn't it? The league situation is incredibly precarious. The FA Cup situation is very precarious. And, and, and that, that nil-nil away leg was, was a horrendous result. You know, it's, it's very poor to go away to a, a team like Marseille and, and not be able to score. I, I'm really nervous about both the games this week. I, I, I we're, we're wobbling massively and I, I can't see where a performance 
performance is going to come from. What well, I'm, I feel really underinformed. But do you know when Rio is due to be back? Well, I would do if Ferguson was talking to the media and telling us something about uh, the United injury situation. But no, I, I, I don't. Player hasn't said anything. Obviously, the club hasn't said anything. In fact, when it comes to injuries, there's rarely any truth coming out of Old Trafford anyway. And it seems like it's a continual problem. There's been no noises that that Ferdinand will return. So my expectation is that he's out of both games. You know, I said it. I said it last week. Uh, I'll keep saying it every week. I really think that whether we win or lose the title from here is going to depend enormously on how much Rio and Vidic play together. Uh, if they play together in almost every game, I'm confident they will win the title. And if they are off, the, if one or the other of them is often out, I suspect we will not win the title. And I don't know what on earth is going to happen against Arsenal. And I've got absolutely no idea what's going to happen against Marseille. The one thing you would say against Marseille, obviously, we're missing a very important player to them in the first leg will be back in the second leg but they did look lacking up front but but anyone can nick one but then again we you know we excuse me I'm getting massive splinters from sitting on the fence but we, we, we have been very impressive on occasion at home this season and both of these two games are at home and that, that hopefully will make an enormous difference although I am not I don't fully understand why this particular side more than any team I can remember in United's history is struggling so much on the road compared to at home you know what? I just can't answer that question. I think I think we've tried a few times, haven't we? We've spoken about this, but it's uh, it's just incredible how timid United can be away from home, and and it's it's not just the performances are worse. It's actually that the mentality seems to be different. There seems to be less willingness to throw players forward. There seems to be less ability or less confidence to keep the ball. And and at home we've been much better. Although I have to say some results at home have flattered us a little bit as well. And and uh, there have been one or two occasions that we've got more points than perhaps we deserved but but the record is completely different in fact we're miles ahead of the competition in terms of our home points Premier League record and only fourth in the league on the away record yeah yeah no just goes just it just goes to show what what, what a disparity there's been and, and I think you know this team still does not look like a mentally strong team when Giggs isn't playing and Rio's not playing and Nemanja's not playing Van der Sar's obviously very yeah, we've gone on about this at length talking of uh, not very mentally strong teams uh, and teams that we're going to be playing at the weekend did you see the Arsenal Barcelona game I did yes I did I cannot for the life of me believe that a lot it seems to be a fairly large number of Arsenal supporters and people around the club the manager saying that they lost the game essentially because Robin van Persie was uh, sent off yeah I, I thought it was bizarre that's, that's exactly what Wenger said after the game that, that he felt they were going to get on top true it was one all at the time and and that they uh, they they could have won the game with Van Persie on the the pitch. I mean, having said that, even though they scored a goal, they didn't get a single shot on target. In, in fact, there wasn't a single shot from Arsenal in the entire game. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna say not not just on target. Twenty shots, twenty attempts at goal by Barcelona, none by the Arsenal. Seven hundred and seventeen passes to one hundred and ninety three, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that Xavi Iniesta, Xavi and Iniesta had some sort of bet on about number of passes because they were making an un necessary number of passes and I have to say again like the fact that we were playing Arsenal at the weekend I was really enjoying it because uh, those Arsenal legs looked very tired by the end of the game and it's not as good as if it had gone to extra time but it's got to be absolutely exhausting trying to get the ball off of Barcelona mm, yeah they had what what 27% possession or something like that yeah it was incredible and Guardiola was right after the game he said Arsenal couldn't string two, three passes together which they couldn't 
No, um, which again I think is a is a, a question of mentality, and you. I think so. They they try to they try to be negative, but they just didn't know how to do it. And and I also thought um, another reason why I thought the Van Persie sending off made no difference to the game was that he was he was so isolated. He was miles away, yeah. so he might have helped them defensively to have Van Persie on the pitch. Uh, yeah, in a kind of perverse way because they could hold the ball up front. But I don't think it helped them in an attacking sense at all. They got no support to him at all, ever. And, uh, you know, it, it, seeing Arsenal capitulate like that, seeing some of Manchester United's frailties, I, I have been thinking about the nature of... And we, we talked about it in regard to Wayne Rooney a lot, the, the nature of the kind of entitled modern footballer. And I, I think there is something about the, the premiership as it currently stands and uh, English football in general as it currently stands, which is not... Not conducive to uh, basically instilling a kind of toughness, but I don't mean toughness in the 70s Chopper Harris sense. I mean the capacity to deal with adversity well, um, because it's very difficult when your material life is so devoid of any adversity. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it, it takes a certain type of player, and and uh, Ferguson's talked about it before in, in more crude terms, and, you know, saying that you know, today's players are uh, mollycoddled and they, you know they're they're just not as mentally tough and I think that's right I mean if you look at uh, what happens when Giggs and, and Skulls eventually go and Skulls could well go this summer and, and obviously Neville's gone already there's a complete difference in that generation of the United players than the next set of generations so the yeah. difference between Darren Gibson now I'm quite happy to not bother playing not play as long as I stay at United Anderson who seems more interested in partying than improving his performances on the pitch Michael Carrick who appears to have no personality at least on the pitch whatsoever now, and that's completely different from from the, the the class of '92 era era where they were all extremely tough mentally. It's it, it, I do think it's a it's an issue uh, across the board in in the Premiership, and I think it's not going to get any better in the short term. That I think that that's gonna that's kind of gonna gonna perhaps even worsen over time, and and a new generation of managers is going to have to come through with a very different skill set to get the best performances out of these players. And I think the game the game will change a lot as well that's what I think because of it yes well I think I think it has and uh, and modern managers are, are much more uh, you know conductors than they are directors and and uh, I think Ferguson's had to adapt and he, he has done pretty successfully he wouldn't continue to be successful if he hasn't done it but yeah so I think the the, the Guardiola politician type manager is, is more likely to to uh, be prevalent in the future than than the monolithic Ferguson type manager although of course Jose Mourinho uh, Jose Mourinho is kind of a blend of the two though isn't he that's the thing because you do get the sense that his players love him in a, in a way that, that's kind of but, but that he has a, a very strong presence and that's perhaps why it's not working so well at Real Madrid in terms of his relationships there a couple of questions from the Twitter uh, one which we sort of covered from at Happy Hero uh, now that United have proven themselves beatable do you think we'll turn things around and still win our 19th title um, I, I, I've gone on record as saying I think it all depends on Rio and Nemanja uh, what what are your feelings on it? I think I think actually it depends more on the influences outside the club. So uh, yes, uh, it does depend heavily on Rio and Nemanja. But I think we've proven all season that we're beatable. And you know, okay, that sounds ridiculous because the 29 matches unbeaten. But I don't think anyone would seriously argue that we didn't deserve to lose a few of those games. So I think United will drop points. I think games at Blackburn and West Ham and obviously the Emirates uh, are going to be uh, serious contenders for United dropping points. But I think it depends on 
the consistency of others. So Chelsea put together a very strong run. Obviously, if they come to Old Trafford and beat us game in hand, suddenly that's three-point difference. And uh, we could lose those three points uh, elsewhere quite easily. And then ditto Arsenal. Um, they beat us at the Emirates and actually the title's in their hands. So it depends on their consistency too, which you know, they've shown you know, no apparent willingness to, to become more consistent uh, having dropped points at Sunderland in the latest example. I, I can say that kind of from a slightly irrational uh, and emotional perspective, I think we're going, I, I feel like we're going to still do it. Uh, that's that's my ridiculously unscientific gut instinct. But, you know, I thought we were going to beat Chelsea and I pretended I thought we were going to beat Liverpool. Uh, but but I do really I do really think that we'll, we'll do it. And I think if we don't do it, it's going to be Chelsea that does. Because I think I, unless, unless Arsenal have some sort of fairly miraculous turnaround, I think the wheels have come off them and, and they, they look shot to me and they've got obviously some pretty big injury problems themselves. Well, they have. They, they beat us at Old Trafford. That, that's going to change things spectacularly, isn't it? And that's why the, this FA Cup game is so important. Yeah, but for all our, our weakness and vulnerability, I still think us versus Arsenal this weekend at Old Trafford, whilst it is an incredibly difficult game to call, uh, we have to be favourites for that game, don't we? Well, yes, because of our re- recent record against Arsenal and, and our record at home this season, yes. Yeah. Uh, although, of course, missing key players, which which tends to even things up a little bit. Yeah, both sides missing key players. Uh, it looks like Sesk isn't going to play. That's the, the as-we-speak-latest on that. Uh, we've also had a question which I'm slightly reluctant to read out in case it uh, removes our uh, clean tag from one of my va- very favourite Twitterers, uh, Twisted underscore Blood. Uh, does the G-bomb do to United's midfield what a C-bomb would do to a funeral? Upset those who care and amuses everyone else? <laughs> I can't help thinking he was just trying to get his joke read out on the rank cast rather than asking a serious question. But to give you an answer, yes. Yes, it does. Fair enough. Um, so, uh, the media blackout, you wrote a pretty scathing piece and you've been pretty strident about it on the rank cast in the past. Uh, you don't like it when Alex Ferguson doesn't talk to the media, do you? Well, I just think it's I think it's kind of productive. The take from, what, 90-odd percent of United fans is, we don't care, the media are biased against us, good on Alex Ferguson for fighting back, they're the enemy. Yeah. And I just think that misses the point totally. I know it misses the point, and I say this as someone who's worked on both sides of the media offence, uh, both you know, in terms of trying to control them, and uh, if that's the right word, influence, uh, and in the media itself, and I've done that for more than a decade. So I think uh, in, in those terms, I could declare myself an expert in this field, and uh, I know it just doesn't work. He's not going to get what he wants. Now, now if, if what he wants is to refocus his squad and say, look, all distractions go out the window, we're just focusing on this next game, uh, and uh, that's why we're not talking to the media, then there's a different way of doing that, because he could easily let, let that message out. But actually what he's done is in a childish fit of anger at the coverage of both the Chelsea game and uh, what he said after the Chelsea game and the criticisms uh, that he was likely to face and the questions he was likely to be asked against Liverpool, he blanket banned anyone within the club talking to the media. And if he thinks that is going to generate more positive coverage, he is miles out, absolutely miles out. And, and I'll tell you why. And if anyone doesn't believe me, he, for six weeks, refused to give press conferences uh, on Friday at Carrington because he didn't like the coverage that was being... Uh, I think uh, it was prompted by uh, some coverage of uh, his comments about Fernando Torres uh, after getting against Liverpool earlier this year. Uh, did he, after that ban, get the kind of coverage he was looking for from the media? Absolutely not. Uh, did it make a jot of difference? No. D- did in those weeks where he refused to speak to the British media, he spoke to Cirrus Radio in the States quite frequently, but uh, did he did he find that that media vacuum 
vacuum was filled with other commentary, mostly opinion pieces criticizing Alex Ferguson. Absolutely, yes. So, and, and you can't tell me that he doesn't care either. He does. He's obsessed with good media coverage, uh, completely obsessed with it. Otherwise, he wouldn't see it as a war. I mean, is, is he? Is, what, what, what's he done to make you think he's obsessed with the media coverage? Is it just like stuff like the blackout? Yeah, yeah. And he, he repeatedly bans journalists he, who have written things he doesn't like. He, he's constantly saying things in press conferences about pieces that, that you know, people have written. He accused uh, the media of enjoying United's loss to Barcelona and celebrating in the bus and, and things like that. Yeah, it's a constant it's a constant thread throughout what Ferguson says and does uh, is the media. And it has been throughout his managerial career. But the problem is that he self-perpetuates this because if he actually spent time with the media and tried to build a relationship with them, because it's so much part of the modern managerial job managing the media is one he absolutely refuses to take part in. But does he have journalists that he likes and gets on with and, and does work with? I'm, I'm not an expert in this at all. I mean, are there, are there pro-Ferguson journalists? There must be. Well, I mean, he uh, he did get on with some of the, the guys at the Manchester Evening News. Um, in fact, one one of the senior reporters retired this year and, and Ferguson brought out birthday cake in the press press conference. So right. it's, um, yes, over the years. But of course, it's the, it's the ones that are, are more fawning. I mean, he even banned MUTV once because they, they asked him asked him a tougher line of questioning than than he was prepared to accept. <laughs> it's it's much like Stalin banning uh, Pravda. I, I I don't I really don't know how I feel about it. I think if I if I was a modern football manager, I would be driven completely to distraction by the coverage in the media as well because there's just so much space to fill. You know, this 24-hour rolling news causes massive problems in the actual real world when it comes to the media and and the the constant attention on football must cause huge problems uh, within the game so I'm, I'm not surprised he's driven to distraction by it and whilst you, you say it hasn't served him well in terms of getting what he wants which is that positive coverage the siege mentality aspect of it potentially you could say has served him very well over the years because the it's everyone against us is a huge part of uh, yes sure but but a blanket blackout also means that his players now can't fulfill their media commitments which a, a number of them do in, in fact I would say about 90% of football coverage when it comes to personal access to players is sponsor-led. Uh, yeah. Journalists will, will uh, you know, proper professional journalists, uh, uh, the, the one thing they have left that differentiates them from, from bloggers is that access. But but even that's been cut off and it is effectively, effectively it's sponsor-led and, and if players can't do that, they're not going to be happy either. Yeah, no, no, that's true, of course. So, so that's potentially a weakness. But maybe at the moment what United's players need to be doing is not going off and talking to journalists because of their sponsorship but knuckling down yeah yeah absolutely that's what i said if, if it's a, if it's about refocus that's fine yeah yeah interesting times certainly it's uh, that time in the show where we make predictions and make ourselves look foolish by week's end i am going to say that oh god what i actually think is that we're going to beat arsenal and get knocked out of the champions league i, I obviously don't want that to happen but that's I, I you know i'd be lying if i didn't say that's what i thought was going to happen so i think that we will beat arsenal hopefully that'll be a good game uh, but then i think we're going to get horrible uh 2-1 last minute 
horrible, heartbreaking loss in the Champions League game. Yeah, I think given United's uh, recent performances, I, I, I'm not expecting a whole load from either of these games. Actually, I think they're all fine. We're on the back foot an awful lot against Arsenal, but, but that serves us well frequently. So I, I'm going to predict a 2-1 win in both of those games. Oh, nice. OK, excellent. Well, uh, we'll be back to talk about everything that's happened in the past week and speculate nonsensically on what is going to happen in the week after that again next week. Uh, once again, thank you so much for listening and uh, the lovely comments which you can hit us up by putting a review on the iTunes Music Store which eventually will uh, appear that that helps us quite a lot I think because uh, it's somewhat difficult to stand out from the crowd isn't it in the uh, in the podcast listings and stuff on iTunes also you can put a comment on unitedrant.co.uk where there will be bags of spectacularly thoughtful and interesting content as there always is and you can hit me up on Twitter at UTD Rantcast and you can hit up Ed at, at United rant yes and and uh, i promise uh, un- unlike uh, my recent comment on twitter i will not actually shoot paul oh yeah i was going to talk about that so it comes over the news comes out this morning that ashley cole's not going to get in any trouble and i think i'm going to go on twitter and say oh the thing is i wasn't going to shoot ed anyway and this doesn't make any difference and he's like no i i am now going to shoot you <laughs> i feel i feel persecuted I'm, I'm that intern that you can pick on aren't i yeah that's it yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and also uh, something I never plug ever but uh, United Rant on Facebook as well if you if you prefer the Facebook to the Twitter <laughs> and well if you like us do that and uh, other than that we'll see you next week see you next week